Hey everyone, my name is Dave Nixon and welcome to another episode of the Peak and Flow podcast. Today, I'm actually going to talk to a point that I did in, I think, about 849 podcasts ago. <laughs> so, I think I just ticked over 850 podcasts. Um, and uh, my second podcast was called Unbecome Who You Are Not. Now, what's really interesting about this is that I had a, uh, a friend of mine, uh, a listener, uh, someone that I've connected with over social media, someone who I believe um, from Canada connected with me through doing a podcast in the first place. And I do recall starting the podcast. Now, before I started this podcast, I actually had another podcast. I don't think you can download it anymore, but I did that for 18 months with a co-host called Lauren called Mind Over Movement. And um, after that, we had a little bit of a break. And after that, I ended up doing a video a day for a whole year. So I committed myself to doing a video a day for a year, just pressing record and getting used to it. And that was actually off the back of, if you go to Facebook and search hashtag Alex's legacy, you'll actually see a shaved head, <laughs> beardless Dave doing videos back in like, I think it's nearly eight years ago. So seven years ago um, on called Alex's legacy. Now I, I did that. Uh, a good friend of mine who was a videographer passed away. And so I did a video a day in his honor. Um, a lot of things I learned from Alex and I, I carry through to today and still speak to, to today. I mentioned it in the start of my book, actually. Yes. Anyway, uh, that was actually only a couple of weeks ago was his anniversary. So to you, Alex, Merry Christmas, my friend. And um, the idea of starting the podcast was off the back of doing a video a week, a video a week, a video a day and asking people, you know, would you listen to it? Is that something you'd like to know, like to see or would you want more videos? And I... At the age of 27 or so, I decided to start a podcast, a daily one. Mood prep was what it was called back then. And um, I remember starting it thinking, I'll, I'll start this podcast. What happens if no one listens? It's like, well, nothing happens. No one gets hurt. No one, like my ego would have got hurt and then would have got over it and that's about it. And so I was like, right, okay, I'm going to start the podcast. It's a good enough reason for me. And so, uh, you know, fast forward 850 episodes and... A number of downloads later, uh, I've had a beautiful opportunity of uh, speaking to and reaching out to and being reached out to by a large volume of people that I otherwise would never have met. And so I'm exceptionally grateful sitting here. And and this actually came from Brad. Brad reached out to me uh, on Instagram and asked me a question and uh, around this sort of concept of unbecoming yourself. And it's interesting because this is not about unbecoming yourself. This is about unbecoming who you're not, um, which I hope I can explain in, on a greater level throughout this podcast. But funnily enough, Mood Prep 002 was unbecome who you are not. And that was part one. I guess this may be a part two. And I think my explanation and my contributions to the subject has definitely evolved and and developed from that point as well. So let's get started. So one of the key things here, and he asked a couple of questions, but he's at a, um, and I'm sure many people would relate or at least relate at certain stages of their life at somewhat of a crossroads or a, a change, a development, um, a, a shedding of skin maybe is, is a way that one could think of it um, if you were to use an analogy from a snake shedding a skin. And the interesting thing and in, in one of the most common mistakes or misconceptions or problems that I see with this type of position or experience that people go through is that people are identifying with 
their job, their personality, their title, their skills, their body, they're actually identify. I mean, identity in general is, is part of the issue, but they're identifying with something that they're not. And so the personality is probably the easiest example of this. Persona, the word persona literally means mask. And so when, when I look at personality in the way that I teach it, the way that I've been taught about it is that personality is not something that we have. Personality is something that we do and it's something that gets in the way of us. The more that our personality has a grip on us, the less that we can be present, the less that we're able to choose how we respond and we are merged with our identity of our personality and that's just who we are. It becomes static, black and white, take it or leave it. And the challenge with that is that, yes, you may know what to expect from someone potentially. The other challenge is that a person loses all this capacity to be flexible uh, in nature. So we develop through worldviews and the more in stages is probably a way to think about it. The further we walk down that path of stage development, the greater perspective we have. And it's not greater than someone else. I'm, I'm like, think vast. You're, you're able to take on more perspectives at any given time when sharing information or considering an option or making a decision. And our ability to do that fundamentally uh, grows and develops when we're able to question ourselves and question the things that we know uh, or that we deem to be true and so forth. And so in doing so, we're able to disidentify and not split personality, yet stop identifying as our personality. And we start to see the world as it is rather than the way that we've been conditioned. So a quote on that is we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are yet we have the capacity through certain training and, and personal development or personal unfolding, unfolding, meaning unbecoming um, to be able to start to see reality as it is rather than as the conditioning we have conditioned ourselves to see it as. And that's what personality fundamentally comes down to is the conditioning that we have through nature and nurture, both. It's not disregarding nature, but it fundamentally is not disregarding nurture. And then the decisions that we make within that vacuum of our childhood and the meaning that we make helps to shape our personality. The every person no no one is immune to that as adults though as we grow up we start to have a choice of is this how i really want to show up and in in looking at that we have the capacity to be like well i'm not a tree i i i can change i can move i can think i can i can question my questions i can question my values i can question my beliefs i can test things i can start to observe start to perceive rather than to Instead of observing, people end up identifying, right? So rather than observing a situation, they're judging it. And rather than perceiving it, they're simply assessing it. And this is healthily beneficial in many, many ways. When it runs us, though, there's no switching off. And if we don't have the capacity to engage and disengage from what's going on around us, if our personality is continually running us, we're no longer actually choosing, it's simply running. And this is where a lot of a lot of anxious patterns can come from, a lot of depressive states can come from. Now, there's obviously biological components that play a role in this absolutely as well, but we want to make sure that we're taking, when looking at these challenges, a 
an integral perspective or a holistic, and when I say holistic, I mean W, right? Holistic approach to it. And when we can do that, we start to realize that it's not mind over matter or matter over mind, it's mind and matter. And the capacity to do that for ourselves and the flexibility that we we take on ourselves, right, allows us to have a greater worldview around us. Now, given that, I mean, it doesn't... Here's what happens with a lot of people as they start to disidentify with their personality. The fears come up that they'll lose their strengths because personality actually is really pointing to potential biases that an individual has, both in mind and body. It, it points to which bias is strength. If someone has a bias, it's a strength. It's something that they value, um, and that's good. But that strength taken to its extreme or, or a bias taken to its extreme becomes a weak point as well. So the greatest strength becomes the greatest weakness, and the way that we able uh, we give we, we enable ourselves to have greater perspective and greater depth is actually broadening that. It, it, it's not just doubling down on our weaknesses, but our ability to be across what our inverted commas weaknesses are allows us to double down on our strengths. An example for that is, you know, for me, the way that I could articulate, the way that I could coach the way that I could um, communicate, the way that I could um, explain the inner workings of my mind at any given time or I- interpret and build relationships was was a great strength of mine and still is. What fundamentally held me back from doubling down on my potential wasn't that I needed to go harder and further in that space. What it was is that I lacked structure. I lacked rules and roles and, uh, and frameworks to be able to communicate that, to be able to deliver that, to be able to teach that. And so what was fundamentally a strength of mine actually became a weakness because I lacked so much of this other space. And so what enabled me to really teach and develop and unfold and grow in the areas of my strength was actually building up my, my inverted commas weaknesses. And I say inverted commas for those listening because it's not a weakness. It's just not something that someone values. Whereas you get someone else who's like all structure, all procedure, all process, all policy. And what they can sometimes lose in that is the human connection of it right? We look at a situation, we're like, well, this is just what needs to happen. It's like, well, have we spoken to the people and are they all on the same page? There's rapport, communication, right? There's community, common unity. Is all that together? And if not, how can we take a holistic approach? And, And doing that for ourselves is really beneficial and important. And the work that we do in ourselves will commonly be the greatest thing we can do for those around us as well. If you want to inspire someone, if you want somebody to be better and to grow and to be healthier. The easiest way for you to do that, for you to help them, is to walk the path, to show them show them that it's possible, to figure it out for yourself because then you become the inspiration for them that they can aspire to. And the beauty of that is that it, that's up to us as individuals. We have the capacity to do that. But in order to truly understand ourselves, we do have to understand who we are not. And this is one of the reasons why I like the Enneagram. It simply shows nine main core personality structures and then shows levels of healthiness of, of, you know, nine levels of healthiness of what those personality structures can look like. And when we see that, when we look at the fact that human beings are not a personality, that we that we do personality, and a lot of it's got to do with the levels of healthiness that we're at, so stress or security, um, 
we're able to see the dynamic fluidness that we exist in. And, and the, the more that we can work on ourselves and the greater, to the greater level that we can work on ourselves, the more secure we are within ourselves as opposed to needing and, and holding strategies in mind of our worth outside of us. So this person needs to think this, this person needs to say that, this person has to accept me in order for me to feel good, would come under a somewhat of a personality structure and therefore a strategy or a condition. There is a condition. I will feel good when X, Y, and Z occur. If X, Y, and Z don't occur, I feel bad. And so we learn that early on. And if we're not careful, that runs us rather than us unbecoming those patterns and learning how to show up in all of our potential and all of our current potential and current capacity with the greatest worldview that we can bring into this current moment, which is literally the most mature version of ourselves in any given moment. And so the power of unbecoming who we are not is not about becoming a beige, like vanilla, you know, a complete lack of persona being. It's actually an integration of personality into being, which is known as personal essence. And if I'm able to be here, be present and be with you within a conversation and be me, but also not be had by me, I can actually show up for you because I'm showing up for me. This is the beauty of the work that we can do in ourselves. And a lot of that makes way more sense the more you're able to actually embody that and and be around people that are on the same page as that, um, which is exceptionally possible and very beautiful. A couple other notes that I have here. Most people think they know themselves, but in reality, they just know their personality and they confuse that as them. A lot of the time, our personality is a coping strategy, not actually who we are. It's how we learned to meet our needs as a child and then it got habituated, it got patterned, and then we run those patterns as an adult and we get mixed results. But as a child, especially in the face of our primary caregivers, it got us a result. And time and time and time again, within coaching sessions, within uh, the trainings and retreats that we run, I have seen this show up again and again and again and again and again. Majority of these things that are coming up as problems for individuals are simply patterns. People don't have problems, people have patterns. And usually those patterns and usually problems uh, occur when we lack flexibility, when we lack flexibility, perspective and choice. So the more that we are had by our persona, the less choice we have, the less flexibility, usually the more problems. Generalizing. Now, you can look at mind, body, spirit as a simple concept, very simple concept. Um, people go, what's the difference between spirit and soul? Well, soul would be more to do with personal essence, um, whereas spirit is to do with a greater collective consciousness, if you were to use a term um, as such. And so connecting with spirit, there's many different ways to do that. Everything from psychedelics right through to, it's not, not the first step is psychedelics, although mushrooms are free. Just be careful which ones. Um, psychedelics, meditation. I do what's called stillness journeys. And you've got many other things from yoga. You can you can access that spirit in, in many different facets from physical movement, physical training. You can do it in breath work there are multiple roads and they're all worth walking down and the greater access that we have to spirit the greater access we actually have to our strengths which therefore our personality right that's the thing we don't lose it we fundamentally enhance it and so connecting to spirit is one of the most powerful things that 
I've experienced and have seen experienced in my clients who are like high performing individuals. We're talking high performing um, project managers, CEOs, doctors. We're talking, and I, you know, they're all titles and positions, but let's look at mums. We're looking at, um, uh, individuals with no kids that are wanting to step into the next stage of their career. We're looking at single parents. It, it's all of these components that these people find so much freedom and so much peace within connecting to their own spirit. It's really, really quite profound. Um, and we don't lose any of our strengths in doing so. We fundamentally enhance them if we give ourselves permission to learn how to do it. Now, other notes that I have here, if you can observe something, it isn't you, a behavior, a thought, an emotion. So, jump the gun here, but here's an easy way to understand who you are and who you are not. If you can hear, if you can, if you can experience something through your senses, hear it, hear it in your mind's eye or mind's ear in that case, if you can see it, if you can touch it, if you can... Um, smell it, <laughs> which is weird, taste it, there you go, that is not you. You are the thing that's observing all of that. And the more that we're able to detach from this, this, this blended identity of persona or personality or a, a, a title or things of that nature, the greater capacity we have for being in this present moment, we start to see the structures that once had us. And we start to catch when they show up and rear their head again. They don't just go away, but the value that we held on that starts to dissipate, which means we start to gain more choice. If you can observe, so a thought, right? It's like, oh, these thoughts just consume me. No, no, no. I have thoughts that I overvalue. What's that on behalf of? What's that about? Right? Oh, my body, you know, it's just, I'm just quitting. It's just quitting. It's like, okay, well, you're not your body. If you lost an arm, you wouldn't be less of a person. You wouldn't be less of a soul. You wouldn't be less of a spirit. You wouldn't have less personality. You're not your body. It's the same with persona, same with body, same with thoughts. You're not your feelings. You're not your emotions. You experience all of these things. And the more that we can understand this, the greater to the greater depth and level that we can understand this, the greater depth and level we get to experience all of those experience the power of your body experience the power of emotion and 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 understanding how feelings really in a general example is just how we explain our emotions to ourselves it's how we describe them it's 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 i'm feeling x when we're describing the emotion or labeling the emotion you can't simultaneously be the witness and the thing being witnessed The reason why I use the unfolding, which is unbecome, I guess, unfold who you are not, is because there's no finish line. And that's a beautiful thing. You don't go, tick, I've completed being human. It's a continual stumble walking home. There's a beautiful quote, and I've said, I think it it might be Rumi or Ramdas. I'll find it later on. I've mentioned it time and time again, and it's just simple. It's just, we're all just walking each other home. And home is the return to spirit. And fundamentally, the greatest endeavor we can do as humans. And on that team, I'm done. 
Thank you very much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you'd pass it on to someone else that you think would also enjoy it. I've still got a few spots left for my Meet the Moment program starting in January. Uh, it's a six-month program. It's a pretty in-depth program. It's got, it's, I can tell you what's involved in it, but really it's about what you want to get out of it. Uh, I'm also wanting to work with a few more gyms to help them learn everything from their branding to sales to and like really, really like selling with integrity, building the right frameworks to be able to build the right culture for them to be able to build the right training implementations for their clients and coaches. I'm looking for a handful more gyms to work with or trainers and coaches. I'd love to um, chat to you if you're interested, but that's me done team. If you want to find out more about our retreats and trainings, it should be in the show notes until next time. Peace and pizza. I'll see you soon.